Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. I am your host, Haley Lira. And today we're actually going to be talking about the sister of Nick Wheeler. Nick Wheeler is a member of one of my favorite bands growing up, the All-American Rejects. That tells you my age. And his sister, Jennifer Payoneers, who goes by Jennifer Wheeler now, she was like the band's first unofficial stylist, manager, groupie. I chose this story because, one, I loved the band All American Rejects. And for that reason, I cannot believe I didn't know about this crime and that they are from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Two, this took place in Stillwater, Oklahoma, which is not far from me. And three, the woman at the center of this story sucks so bad. And she is just like living her life at her hair salon in Stillwater like nothing ever happened, showed no sympathy, remorse, or apology. And that's why I chose it. So thank you so much for tuning into Storytime Podcast. This is a really fun hobby of mine. Hopefully my dogs don't act up too much. They're having a real grand time in the backyard right now. Let's get started. So I first heard about this case on an episode of Snapped, season 21, episode 19, and I had it on while I was cleaning, and I was like, what the hell? So it's November 29th, 1999, Jennifer and Tommy, who I will tell you about shortly, they had spent the evening with her brother Nick at their house at Jennifer and Tommy's. So Nick leaves shortly before 11, and the couple starts getting ready for bed when they hear a knock at the door. So Tommy goes to the door and a black gentleman with a bum eye was actually asking for money. So apparently this guy was actually known to wander around the neighborhood asking people for money and Tommy didn't give him any. He comes back to bed, sends the man on his way. Not long after this, another knock is at the door. Okay, so Tommy gets up and he goes and checks the door again and Jennifer says she can overhear an exchanging of words between him and somebody else Then several gunshots go off. She hollers Tommy's name, Tommy, 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 and she gets no response. So afraid, she calls 911 and makes her way to the entry of her home where Tommy is lying in the doorway. So I think the front door was actually left open and no one was in sight. She did not even see the shooter, but she totally thought it had to have been the guy who was just at their house asking for money. Floyd Payoneer, who actually went by his middle name, Tommy, was born July 1974 in Hawaii, and he was literally born addicted to heroin. His mom was a homeless junkie who actually killed herself when Tommy was three. After his mom died, she went, he went to go live with his grandma in Stillwater, Oklahoma. His grandma said to have been like really great lady. She totally did her best raising him. Tommy was really into that like 90s punk rock look, spiky bleached hair, you know, the works. He started working at an audio innovations when he was 18 and he fucking rocked at this job. He met Jennifer in their early 20s and Tommy wasn't like bad or rebellious kid. He just had a really edgy look that Jennifer was into. In fact, Jennifer's family thought Tommy would be a really good influence on her. Jennifer comes from a prominent family in Stillwater. They are very successful florists that have lived in the town for generations. She had a very religious, strict family, but Jennifer was a bit of a wild child. She loved the grunge rocker style. She had colorful hair, colorful makeup. She was in cosmetology school when she met Tommy and had long dreamed of opening her own hair salon that she wanted to name 
wild hair. September 1996, they married and purchased their first house. Next, Jennifer got her own hair salon named Wild Hair like she dreamed about. They spent a lot of time with Jennifer's little brother, Nick, and his band. Tommy would help set up and tear down the sets. Jennifer styled the band, cut their hair, sold CDs, set up gigs, set up parties. I mean, she spent a lot of time helping jumpstart the All-American Rejects. In the meantime, while Jennifer is spending all of her free time with the band, Tommy was sort of maturing. He was advancing in his career, taking on a more professional look, and that's where shit hit the fan. So, back at the house, Tommy had been shot five times. Once in the back, two in the chest, and two in the neck. Tommy went by ambulance to the hospital Um, And before Jennifer met him at the Stillwater Medical Center, she told police that her purse was in fact missing. While Tommy was at the hospital, doctors tried to revive him for 40 minutes until they had to call his time of death. When investigators surveyed the home, they could see where there was gunshot residue in the doorway and footprints going straight to the table where Jennifer said her purse was stolen from. They photograph and document all of this as evidence. So the murder investigators put out a sketch of the man who'd come to Tommy and Jennifer's asking for money. Patrol officers in Stillwater recognized the man in the sketch immediately. So like literally officers that were working in Stillwater called the tip line or told them in the in the station like, hey, we know who this guy is. His name's Scott Sanders. He was a cross-eyed black man that was known for asking people in Stillwater for money. He was actually near the scene when police were called to the Pioneer home, and he said to an officer, what happened? Did someone get shot? This was on the night of the murder. So he was kind of looking suspicious to officers. Police decided to bring him in on November 30th, 1999 to question him. And Scott was very honest. He worked with the police. He didn't seem nervous, and he even took a polygraph that he passed. He said, point blank, if I had a gun, I would have sold it for money. He passes the polygraph, like I said, and they go ahead and do a search on his residency and find no weapons at all. He was never a violent offender, and so they ultimately marked him off the suspect list. Their hands are a bit tied at this point, so they look closer at the evidence. The shoe prints were narrowed down to a limited edition shoe called a Nike Air Penny. This was a really good start. Next, since Jennifer's brother Nick was the last person at her home and left shortly before this happened, they wanted to talk to him. Nick said that nothing seemed out of the ordinary, and he didn't know anybody that had those specific shoes. He did tell police, though, that Tommy was super close with his coworkers. Like, they were family. They'd come over all the time. And, you know, Tommy was so good at his job that he was offered a job for Sony, But his company didn't want to see him go, so they offered him a promotion and a path to further promotions. So could this be a jealous coworker? Could Tommy have decided to go to Sony and an angry coworker? I don't know. But police go to his work and they get a bombshell. Tommy's friends and coworkers were of great help to the investigation. They said over time Tommy had gone from a punk rock look to a more straight-laced look. He was growing up and becoming more professional, and Jennifer fucking hated that. Jennifer began spending an ungodly amount of time with her brother's band, the All-American Rejects. In particular, a band member, I believe he was a band member or someone who just hung out with the band all the time. His name was Philip Meadows. 
He was 18, and at this time, Jennifer was 24. So this becomes like a really serious problem in Jennifer and Tommy's marriage. In the middle of this turmoil between Jennifer, Tommy, and his feelings about her being with the band all the time, and with Philip Meadows in particular, Tommy got really sick. He was having constant stomach aches, headaches, nausea, just really not feeling well. He starts to feel better around October, but that's when shit really hit the fan between Tommy and his girl. So Tommy couldn't get a hold of Jennifer all day, didn't know where she was. He's calling everyone, asking if they've seen her, driving around town, like, where is this bitch at? Is she okay? By the way, all this information was relayed to police by Tommy's coworkers. Um, this is the shit that you'd only tell a coworker about your life that you wouldn't tell other people. That's crazy. Okay, so Tommy is driving and he's calling Jennifer. Nobody's answering. And then lo and behold, he actually sees Jennifer's car and it is parked outside Philip Meadows' house. So I'm going to tell you exactly why Tommy doesn't like Philip Meadows in particular. For one, he is either a part of or always with Nick's band. Therefore, he is constantly spending a significant time with Jennifer. Now, while he's with Jennifer, they're extremely touchy-feely, like in front of everybody, sitting on each other's laps, excessive touch contact, flirting. It was not cool and very suspicious looking. So that is why Tommy really doesn't like Philip Meadows in particular. When Tommy sees Jennifer is sitting at Philip's house, he just marches right in the fucking door. He's very mad. He storms inside the house and he goes into the room and he sees Philip is on the bed shirtless in a pair of shorts. The bed is all messy. Um, it was very obvious that they had been having sex. So Tommy tells Jennifer, you know, like, yo, let's go. We're leaving. And Jennifer says, no, I'm not leaving. You can leave. And Tommy got so enraged that he actually slapped Jennifer. Jennifer calls the police and Tommy gets arrested for domestic violence. Tommy makes bail and he moves out of the house. So, by the way, this is just a couple weeks before Tommy is shot dead. His co-worker shared on the docuseries Snapped that all the fight went out of him when he slapped Jennifer and it was the most disgusting thing he'd ever done. He begged and begged Jennifer to forgive him. And they ended up meeting for lunch. And Jennifer gives Tommy some bullshit that her and Philip weren't sleeping together. And I think Tommy felt so guilty um, about hitting her. And he wanted to repair the relationship so bad that he was willing to accept even if she did fuck Philip. Like, I think he just wanted to move on with their life and go back home. So that's what they did. Now, the police decide it's time to talk to Philip Meadows. It's been eight days since Tommy's death. And Philip met with police and he said that he was not romantically involved with Jennifer. He had an alibi for the night Tommy died. He said he was partying with Kenny and Cameron. And when police spoke with Kenny and Cameron, they both backed Philip's story. They were all partying together and refused to say anything further. So a couple months go by and nothing really happens in the investigation until February of 2000. Cameron came into the police station with his dad. He had seen Philip and Jennifer at a basketball game and it bothered Cameron so much seeing them that his dad told him whatever's going on you really need to tell the police son. Cameron tells police that the night Tommy was shot he was riding around with Philip and Kenny to go party 
when they were around the corner from Tommy's and Philip asked to get out of the car. He said, pull around the corner and let me out of the car. And then they heard gunshots. And sometime later, Philip came running back to the car. Um, he said it wasn't until later he like pieced it together, especially when he started seeing Philip with Jennifer all the time. Cameron agrees to wear a wire and get a confession the next day from Philip Meadows. While the boys are talking, Cameron is basically saying he wants to go to the police. And Philip is saying things to indicate that everybody in the group, Philip, Cameron, Jennifer, um, and Kenny, that they all knew what was going on that night. And so everyone was going to get in trouble. Aha! Premeditation. Something Cameron hadn't told police. So on the recording, Philip also mentions that Jennifer knew because she was the one who had a gun or got the gun. Something like that. Hours later, both Jennifer and Philip are arrested. There really isn't any physical evidence to prosecute Jennifer on, but Philip was facing the death penalty, so investigators used that to their advantage. He was going to testify for leniency against Jennifer, or he was going to be facing the death penalty. Of course, like most weak men, Philip flips. He was offered a plea, and he does a tell-all. The summer Philip graduated in 1999, him and Jennifer began having a sexual affair. Jennifer, though, told Philip that Tommy was so well-liked by her family, there was no way to divorce him. They were too strictly religious. And with Tommy in the picture, her and Philip could never really be together. So Philip said Jennifer first tried to poison Tommy by putting Visine in his drinks. That's what made him so damn sick. And when that didn't work, she devised a plan for Philip to kill Tommy. Philip asked Cameron and Kenny for their help, and that is what happened. So here are the symptoms of visine poisoning. An altered mental state, coma, difficulty breathing or no breathing, blurred vision, blue lips and fingernails, changes in blood pressure, first high, then low, changes in pupil size, faster slow heartbeat, heartache, irritability, low body temp, nausea, vomiting, nervousness, tremors, seizures, weaknesses. Side note, I'd mentioned earlier that police had narrowed down the exact shoe to a Nike Air Penny. They purchased a pair to make sure it was an exact match. After Philip Meadows' confession, they'd walked into the room with the shoes that they'd purchased, Nike Air Pennies. And Philip said, oh, you found my shoes. Can I have them? What an idiot. Prosecutor Rob Hudson says that Jennifer was guiltier in his eyes than Philip. Philip was manipulated by her pussy. Jennifer never confessed or even cracked to her involvement, though. And all they had was a testimony of Philip. So, of course, Jennifer's defense attorney spins it and explains Philip was obsessed with her, killed Tommy of his own volition, and Jennifer actually took the stand like a psycho And she said once Philip joked about killing Tommy and she didn't believe he was serious. She denied poisoning Tommy, even though people close to him say his symptoms aligned with visine poisoning. She also said she did not begin a sexual relationship with Philip till like 10 days after Tommy died, which either way is fucking tacky. So she is actually found not guilty for his murder but guilty of conspiracy to commit murder and sentenced to 10 years in 2001. But get this, she only served four years. 
Now she goes by Jennifer Wheeler and owns what is called the Wash House Salon, where she is a murderer. I, I mean, she is a hairdresser and soap maker. It looks like she has a snouser dog and a long-term boyfriend who has a very pampered handlebar mustache. As much as I hate to say it, she seems to have good reviews from her customers. Not even one mentions her being a murderer either. Hmm. Maybe I should book an appointment. Ha ha ha. Just kidding. So Cameron Brent Chesney, who is 19, and Kenneth Kamal Sheriff Lewis, ooh, that's a long name, um, who was 19 also, they were billed with conspiracy to commit murder and becoming an accessory to murder afterwards. So they both got um, 10 years, actually. Um, I'm not sure how much they actually served or what happened, but Cameron looks to have moved on with his life. He didn't get into any further trouble that I can find. And he seems to be married with kids now. I can't find anything on Kenny. I can't find shit on Kenny. As for Philip Meadows, as part of his plea deal, he pled guilty to first degree murder and was given a life sentence, which he was paroled after 18 years in 2018. He immediately hopped on Facebook, which I don't know why. It's just funny to me. And I noticed in October of 2019, he made some sort of public post celebrating his three-year anniversary with a girlfriend named Amanda. I'm going to presume they began the relationship while he was in prison because that math leads me to 2016 and he was in prison then. Now, I did look in the public records and it looked like they filed for a marriage license June of 2018. Um, And he hopped off Facebook in 2020. So it's 2021 I did some digging around and Mr. Meadows actually landed himself back in prison March of 2020 for a DUI he obviously he had to have been on parole right wow so he is actually back in prison in Oklahoma City what a doozy right like oh what a bunch of idiots anyway go check out Storytime Slayers Facebook where I'll have pictures And updates on all of the people involved in this case. Don't forget to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.